One of the things I enjoy the most about this podcast is having the opportunity to connect with other like-minded professionals who have a strong passion for teaching others how to prioritize their health and fitness. Today, I catch up with my friend Brian Panuzzo for an inspiring conversation about how he left a 20-year, seemingly successful Wall Street career to instead coach other men in their health, in their marriage, their mindset, and their relationships. You'll hear right away that Brian and I are speaking the same language on so many levels as it relates to career and life priorities, how to lead by example for our family and our community, how to choose better without feeling the need to ever be perfect, and why it's never too late to choose to make a positive change in your life. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I am here with my man, Brian Panuzzo. Brian and I are friends through a business coaching group, and we've been conversating for the last few weeks and have a tremendous amount in common. We're at the same age. We're both obviously in the health space, and Brian comes from kind of a different uh, wavelength when it comes to health coaching. He has, this is his second career. And uh, so he has a bit of an uncommon path that I really wanted to share with you guys today. So without further ado, we'll just jump right in. Brian, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me, man. I can't wait to have a great conversation with you and dig in, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. So what's going on in your world right now? How you been? I've been great. I've been great. You know, I'm, I'm a father of two, I'm married, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm doing the best I can to, to stay sane in the crazy world that we live in, trying to build a business, grow a business. As you mentioned, this is my second career and I don't know what rabbit hole you want to go down first, but I spent 20 years doing something completely different. And so I'm experiencing being a, a rookie uh, again. I was a basketball player, you know, uh, most of my life in high school, college, in my youth. So I'm experiencing being a rookie again, being a freshman again, being a, a low-level junior guy on the on the trading desk. I was a, I was a Wall Street guy. Uh, I'm experiencing being you know one of the new guy again. I'm a new guy in this nutrition uh, world, this health coaching world. So uh, I remember that path. I remember what it felt like to be that guy and to learn and mm-hmm. to get the coffee and to fill up the water bottles and. Uh, you know, to, to do, to do some of the things that that requires. And then, you know, I also know what's coming for me. I know I'll I'll sort of ascend uh, my way up the ranks and I'll be the captain. I'll be the head of the desk. I'll be the leader. I'll be the veteran uh, in no time soon. So, well, it sounds like you're obviously coming in with a bit more wisdom than you would your first career in that you've obviously learned a lot throughout your life, you know, being a husband, being a father, uh, having gone through the business trials and tribulations of your previous career, and now obviously launching into your new thing. So we'll get into that. I'd love to know just kind of really briefly what that previous career was, what it looked like, and, and sort of what was it about that that just wasn't working for you? Sure. So I grew up in in Bergen County, New Jersey, which is a suburb of New York City, right outside of Manhattan, 10, 10 or so miles from Manhattan. 
And I, I, was, a, I was an athlete. I played sports all my life, uh, basketball primarily. When I got to high school, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, uh, Bergen Catholic, actually wearing one of their shirts. And um, by, by the time I got there, I had made a decision that basketball wasn't necessarily meal ticket for me per se. Uh, I actually was a better baseball player at the time. It was just the sport that I loved the most. I enjoyed playing it the most and I wanted to commit to playing it all year round effectively. And I thought I needed to do that to excel in this environment that I was in. And so I did that great Catholic high school, great education, great athletics. I got recognized. I got a scholarship to play basketball at St. Michael's college in Vermont, another great academic school, great experience. Uh, everyone that I became friends with quickly, my teammates on the team were all business and economics majors. And so quickly I became a business and economics major. I was 17 years old. I hadn't even turned 18 yet until, you know, December of my freshman year of, of college. I had already chosen uh, my double major. I was going to be a double major, right? Stay up at summer school, take extra classes. And in the summer I did what most guys that lived in my area did. Uh, you played uh, summer leagues at the Jersey shore and you got internships on, on wall street and in the city. And so did you I guys, uh, sorry to interrupt. Did you guys Please. have any aspect of, of like nutrition or training through that time? Did you grow Absolutely. up lifting weights and, you know, Absolutely any not. concept? Absolutely none. I didn't touch a weight until my freshman year of college. I was 215 pounds, 220 pounds my freshman year. I was 195 pounds after my freshman year uh, because I had all this baby fat on me. We sure. didn't, we were a tremendously talented group of kids in high school. Um, and we won because of our talent. Uh, we did not win because of our physical abilities. And I didn't know what, you know, that first of all, you know, 25 ish, Jesus, 25 years ago. Wow. I'm old. Uh, it wasn't as much of a thing, right? It wasn't as much sure, of a no, thing totally. as it is now. And so, uh, but I certainly gave zero thought to a lot of physical preparation X, you know, Oh shoot, I'm hurt. I got to get treatment or something like that and gave absolutely zero thought to my nutrition. In fact, to get all, slightly off topic, but this is funny because it rings a bell with me now. We're both part of that like kind of low fat, you know, high sugar era mm -hmm. of messaging mm -hmm. from the diet and exercise community. It was senior week, my senior year. I was trying to manage, enjoying myself, consuming about a thousand, you know, beers a day during senior week, right before sure. we graduate. And the week after I was going down to the University of Maryland to, to, to be a part of this draft camp for a kind of like the G League, like it was going to be this, this rival uh, of, of the NBA G League, right? And so I walked over to the, to the gas station right next to campus and I wanted a snack. So I got these like uh, peach rings, like in the, in like yeah. candy, like peach rings because because there was no fat in them. And right. so in my head, I was like, I gotta be low fat. So, so, so I got these pictures. So that, that basically sums up my knowledge of nutrition for the uh, first half of my life. And it's okay. not something I found until, uh, you know, well into my mid thirties, but to circle back, everybody was a business major. Everybody was interested in wall street. Everybody right. did internships. Um, I certainly did not uh, consciously make a decision at age 17 that I was going to reshape the next uh, or, or guide the next 20 plus years of my life. But that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. I uh, left school. I contemplated going to Europe to play professionally. It wasn't the right situation for me. I decided I felt this urgency 
calling because all my friends went right at the training programs that started in August. And I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited. I was waiting for my Italian citizenship to come through. I was going to go to Italy, all this stuff. And so December of 1999, I graduated in 1999, feeling old again. I decided I got to, I got to go. I got to, I got to take a job. And I took my first job on wall street and, and, and the rest is sort of history. Um, life happened to me pretty quickly. I, uh, started to make great money. Um, after I started to make great money, I started to spend a lot of money. After I started to make great money, I started to spend a lot of money. Like I said, life happened. I, I got married. I started to have kids. Uh, I joined a country club. We had nice stuff. We went on great mm -hmm. vacations. I wasn't irresponsible with how much money I spent. I just spent it because I made it. And if I needed more, I went and made more. You know, I was a very driven guy. And, you know, I sort of put my head down and did what I thought I was supposed to do as this alpha competitive professional male from Northeast New Jersey, ex-athlete, Jersey guy, now husband and father responsibilities. Thought I had to, you know, not worry about every other aspect of my life except my career. And again, you know, this will go down, we'll go down another rabbit hole, I guess, shortly. But I sort of woke up. I woke up in air quotes. I put this in air quotes. I woke up to a life that was great on the outside, you know, big house, country club, didn't have a white picket fence, but all the things that go with the white picket fence, you know, two kids, a dog, cars, great stuff. On the inside, my life was a absolute chaos and a mess. I had put on 20 pounds, 30 pounds of muscle uh, in college uh, after that sophomore year or that freshman year. Uh, I remained that weight, but completely changed body composition. Totally. So I was 20 pounds overweight. I was in constant joint pain. My marriage was on the brink of divorce. And um, I had a lot of low-grade addictions, drugs, alcohol, gambling. I couldn't have, I kind of say it this way, I couldn't have a tough Tuesday at work without coming home, having two beers, eating an edible, taking a Percocet, completely disconnecting from you know reality. And as I've started to understand, that was not just my reality. That is a lot of you know, men's realities. It's a lot of women's realities too, but I think it's a little more prevalent with men. Was that something that, I mean, was there an aha in there? Was there, was it sort of like, what am I doing to myself? Uh, my life shouldn't be like this. Or was it sort of like, this is just how it is. This is the life that I chose. And this is the career that I chose. And this is the types of people that I surround myself with. And so I'm just relegated to kind of doing what everyone else does. Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is both. For about 10 years, that's the story, again, air quotes, the story that I told myself. This was the cost of doing business. I'm a big guy, I'm 6'6", ex-athlete, ruptured my Achilles in my mid-20s, uh, was a tough you know, rebound from there, uh, sat in a desk in a sedentary culture all day. Uh, there were, you know, standing desks weren't a thing when I first you know, mm -hmm. started my career, certainly was not an environment that you got up and did some lunges or some band pull-aparts or said to a colleague, hey, do you want to walk and talk while we do this meeting instead of going and sitting into the in, in the office sure. on the couch? Sure. And so, and then again, not excuses, but just my reality. Um, the mirror, what I was looking at, my my version of success across the desk, across the floor, whatever, was a guy who was making a couple million bucks a year he got up, he limped his first 10 or 15 steps out of the chair. He, he was out three or four nights a week entertaining clients. He was either divorced or on the brink of, or his wife hated him. Um, 
everything was like, you know, moaning and complaining, like that was the cost of doing business for me in my head. I had, I had believed that story um, that we all sort of told ourselves that this is my destiny. My destiny is I'm an ex-athlete. I'm a big guy. I'm broken down, played basketball forever. My body's supposed to feel like crap. Uh, now I'm in this high stress, high pressure job. It's what's required for me to be successful financially. Um, and so that was, you know, the one part of your question is, yes, that's what I had thought. The other part is the moment, you know, I had a series of moments over the course of about six months where I woke up to the reality that, you know, I was far more in control of my circumstances than I ever gave myself credit for. And I needed to take control back in order to have my life not burned down to the ground. My mom got sick, uh, was diagnosed with ALS, which is a uh, fatal, ultimately fatal neurological disease. Um, my son had asked me to, this is all within about a six to eight month period. My son had asked me, he was five at the time to play Legos with him, I, to get down on the ground and put together Legos. I couldn't do it physically. Ben. I, I couldn't put my shins on the, on the carpet, knees flexed, butt to right. heels without pain. I mean, I couldn't even physically get into that position and just being on my knees would hurt. Just getting onto the ground was not comfortable for me. So I had to get up onto the couch and play with them. And that was a moment where I was like, wow, what, what's happening? What's happened? You know, I used to be this, this mm -hmm. man, this unbelievable athlete. Uh, and then after my mom passed away, shortly after, I had spent about those six or eight months, the last six or eight months of my mom's life, completely numbed and disconnected. Um, physically present, which is my superpower, is showing up. I show up. You can't out show, show up me, show me up, whatever. Um, you might be more intense than me, but, but I'll, I'm always there. Um, and so I use that to my advantage. I was always there. I was always around my mom when she was, you know, dying, but mentally I was completely checked out. I was numbed, right. um, via, via, via substances, um, or just mentally completely checked out, unwilling to deal with the reality that I had been, you know, sort of presented with. And this was just a, even though that, that, that moment, those six or eight months was kind of on steroids, you know, meaning my behavior was ex exponentially amplified. Um, my wife had sort of had enough. Um, she, and this was going on for years and years and years. And so she presented me with a conversation that I wasn't prepared for, which was, you know, we have two young kids. We had a, we had a five-year-old and a six month old at the time. She basically put me on notice. She said, I'm not going anywhere right now, but I'm here to tell you that this is not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so sure about this. And so, um, those were a series of three events that kind of happened in a, in a course of about six or eight months for me that really was a slap in the face. And, and obviously my mom, uh, getting sick was not something that I controlled, but the others I controlled, but I had not realized that any of them were going on in my life. They were brewing underneath the surface. Um, and they came up, rang my doorbell, left a hot burning bag of dog poop for me to deal mm -hmm. with, like proverbially. And I didn't see it coming. And uh, that's when I started to be long-winded. Uh, that's when I started to make some really big changes in my life. And I started physically, I started to lose weight because I thought my wife would love me more if I, if I lost weight. Um, and that opened and so what up. Did that, what did that entail? That entailed me just getting into better shape. Uh, I made slightly better choices, you know, from a nutrition perspective, still being pretty ignorant. You know, I swapped out my, my turkey sub and my pretzels because they were low fat for lunch. And I got like, you know, I worked, I worked in New York city. So all these places at the time, all the, some of these places that were like, uh, they served a lean protein, uh, a bunch yeah. of vegetables, a real food carbohydrate, and an avocado if you wanted it, you know, or these sa salad places were becoming more popular. Right. And so I just made a better choice at lunch. And within like three months, I lost like 15 pounds. Now I also started to work out a lot too. 
um, because that was my outlet. I was like, I need to, I need to let go of frustration. Um, I need to have my wife see me that I'm working out so that she thinks I'm, you know, I'm more, she's more attracted to me. So you started strength training? I started strength training. Yeah. Yeah. I started strength training. I did like this 20 minute, uh, hit workout, um, early in the morning because that's all I had, you know, once my day got going, I was done. So I would go down into the basement. A lot of it was body weight stuff. And then I had my, I had some dumbbells and then, you know, again, the progression, I started to join a gym. I started to go to a gym at 5am. Um, I started to take care of myself better as I started to treat myself with more respect. I started to treat others around me with more respect. I found a lot of uh, personal growth and personal development concepts within a lot of these people that I started to find online, whether it be on social media or whatever. And so that that was the mushroom effect for me, started to open up um, my, my eyes to, you know, um, there's different ways to, to, you know, we don't have this destiny that we, sure. that we all seem to think that we, you know, are, are predetermined to have and prescribed. And I was very much a believer of that. You couldn't tell me that my life wasn't one way and one way only. I would have laughed you out of the room if you t- tried to tell me there was another way. My wife had, who, go ahead. Who are some of the people that, so, so you're starting to change your ways, you're starting to train, you're probably starting to feel better. You're noticing the scales move in getting motivated, I'm sure in that capacity, especially as an ex-athlete, as an athlete, you know, it's like, you know, highly driven and sort of uh, wanting to continue to do more and more, see more progress. Who were you following? Who did you start to follow, especially coming from a position of having no background in health and fitness per se, um, to starting to dive into this wide world of nutrition, health and fitness, and all of the potential people that you could start to listen to? Who Who did you listen to that spoke to you? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, two people that I can remember and then sort of mushroomed from there. Um, I read Sean Stevenson's book. Somehow I found Sean Stevenson's book, Sleep Smarter. Um, at that time I was like, you know, sleeps for the week kind of thing that opened up my eyes a lot. I also appreciated his delivery, um, as well. Um, I found another guy uh, named Michael Morelli, uh, who's based in yeah, Arizona. He's, and he's I did, local here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, he resonated with me because of his, uh, transformation from, you know, drug addictions and having a, you know, kids and having things turn around for him. Yeah. And then, um, I went to high school with Joe DeFranco, actually. He's, he's a high oh, school. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's two years older than me. So, um, and we, we're still friends this day, obviously not, you know, we're not just hanging out every weekend cause I'm in California, but we're, we're still friendly. Um, and so I was listening to him and he had, uh, Jay Ferrugia maybe on his podcast or something, sure. but anyway, I got introduced to Jay through, through Joe. Um, unknowingly. And I started to listen to Jay a bunch, um, his podcast and, and 2000, so this, this, I'm, I'm a year or so into sort of this transformation for me. My, I had sort of, I, I was, I was off of, uh, the red line, uh, flat line, whatever of, of being really in trouble with my marriage. You know, I, I'd, I'd made enough repairs and then I was sort of in search of more now, what else can I get now? I was, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm still an addict, you know, I just swap vices. I'm just, I'm just passionate about other things now, you know, the urge to do some of the things I used to do still pops up a lot, but I, 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 I fill my, my, my mind and, and my space, my energy with, with positive things. And so, you know, I was on this, I was on the lookout for what else could I do? What else could I find? And Jay really resonated with me. He was a Jersey guy, you know, always talked about the Yankees and the Giants. I'm not a diehard Yankees or Giants fan, but he was always talking about sports hip hop, you know, I like, I like, I'm basketball guy. I love hip hop. And, um, he was, he was restarting this, this men's group, um, 
you know, uh, mastermind group for a year. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember him putting up a post about it or something. And like, I saw it on my phone and I said to myself, that's a great idea. And then I put my phone down and I forced myself in that moment. I'm like, you, this is what you always do. You kick tires, right? And that the, the skepticism, the asking questions, the not necessarily taking action right away for 15 to 20 years in my profession that kept me alive. I traded high yield bonds, junk bonds, companies that were at higher risk of potentially not paying you back after you lent them money, right? Um, these were not, you know, IBM, Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, Google, right? These are companies that, you know, the backbone of America, but uh, oftentimes some of them, you know, go under. And so you got paid to be skeptical. You got rewarded to be skeptical. You got rewarded to ask a lot of questions. A lot of the interaction between the customer and the, and, and the trader was a, a bit of poker, you know, don't give you too much information. Try to extract more information without giving up your hand. And so I was this, I'm still to this day, this very skeptical guy. And so I forced myself to reach out to him and inquire about it. And if I didn't do that, um, I know that I wouldn't be where I am today. And so, you know, again, long-winded answer to your question. Those were the first three or four guys that I kind of found. Um, once I got into Jay's group and met a whole circle of people that I didn't know existed in this world, people like your, you know, similar people like yourself, um, like a Jason Phillips, Jay introduced me to Jason. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was the, that was really the, the turbo booster, you know, um, uh, on, on my growth uh, in 2018 was joining that group. And from there, you know, it's really been, he's the one who pushed me. He's the one who asked me the question. You know, I was, I was still trading bonds at that point. There was Jay there was, did or, or Jason did? Jay, Jay. There was, there was nothing on my radar. Ferugia did. There was nothing on my radar. You know, there was a little bit inkling like, I don't know. I don't really love what I do every day, but like all these stories, mm -hmm. how do you replace the income you have? This is what I've been doing for 17 years. If I'm not this, what am I? You know, all those identity questions. Had you, had you ever asked your, like, at what point did you ever ask yourself that question? Is there anything else that I can do that can actually fulfill me? Yeah. And I immediately, I immediately would beat it back. Like, well, what else would I do? I mean, how could I possibly replace this income? You know, um, yeah. who, who's going to hire a 38 year old guy who's been doing this thing for 18 years, you know, I can't years. imagine how daunting that must've felt to Dude, just was, when those thoughts started to percolate in your head yeah. of like, yeah. I know I need something else, but what, could that possibly look like? Yeah. And to circle all the way back to what you originally asked me, how many of us are 40 and are doing the same thing reasonably within a reasonable, you know, kind of margin, right? Because there's different niches. And I even sort of explored different ones within sort of Wall Street and finance. But how many of us are still doing the same thing based on a decision that we made when we were kids? You oh, know? Absolutely. I, like I, I want to, I should dig in to find some statistics around this because it fascinates me because you know, we get stuck. We get stuck. We tell ourselves a story that we can't do anything else because we're stuck. And then it's, I, I am living proof that it is so unbelievably not true. And I'm not saying that it's, that it's easy. This is hard stuff. Mm -hmm. This is hard stuff. And I was fortunate to uh, be able to, you know, kind of afford a year or so of like, okay, I'm not going to make a lot of money and I'm still spending a lot of money. But there are a lot of ways to do this. There, are, I started a side hustle. You know, while you start your side hustle, while you have your job, you can evaluate what you're spending. 
you know, mm-hmm. and you can, you can come at this from all different angles and you can play, most importantly, you can play the long game. You know, you've been in a career for 18 years. You don't have to Jerry Maguire the damn thing. Take right. your goldfish and see who's coming with you. You can wait five more years, you know, have a plan for five years, execute that plan, right? I mean, think about it from a weight loss perspective. If somebody just took a five-year plan, how, how, I mean, how easy would it be? How much, how much easier would it be, right? Yeah. It'd be so much easier. Like if we, if we, we constantly get our we clients- We just have that thought over. process, right? If we just have the thought process around it. You don't it. have to do this tomorrow. You don't have to worry about what the scale says tomorrow. You know, like you don't have to worry about any of this stuff tomorrow. Just start to do some of the things that that person that you want to be five years from now does on a regular basis, you know? Yeah. And as you said, I mean, there's nothing easy about it, even if you're doing something that you love. I mean, I've been in this industry my entire career and there have been many, many a moment where I've been sitting at 2 a.m. in front of the computer contemplating like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What else could I do? You know, it's like, I, I feel like it's the nature of the beast with, with anything that's worthwhile right? Your fitness journey, your health journey, your nutrition, like your relationships, right? Your, your business. It's just. Absolutely. How embarrassing would this be for me to fall on my face, right? To leave a 20 year career, um, an income uh, that quite frankly was fantastic without me really having to do a whole lot of hard work. Like I had done the hard work. I did the hard work. I built up I, I put all the sweat equity in. Now it doesn't mean I, I didn't have to do anything. Like I had to show up, I had to bust my ass, but I could I could close my eyes and I could make a very good living, you know, and I'd still be making a pretty good living right now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying like, you know, I ask myself, I still to this day worry about that. And it's like, what if I fail? You know, what if this, what if this doesn't work out? And it's very easy for those fears, for those questions to completely overwhelm you and to stop you from taking some sort of small action today. Yeah. But what so, does that even mean? Right? Like, what does yeah. that even, what if I fail? Like, you know, worst case scenario, right? It's like, what does that even mean? It's, yeah. There's, there's a, there, there's a, there's an exercise. I think it's Tim Ferriss that I, I heard this from fear setting, not go. We all set goals, right? So there's set right. fears, like really actually write out, like what's the worst thing that could happen, you mm-hmm. know? My wife divorces me, you know, I fall on my face with this new, with this entrepreneurship thing. And I have to go crawling back to like, you know, somebody to ask him for a job that probably doesn't pay me as much because I've been out of the game for three or four years. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that any of those outcomes are great. I'm just saying you start to um, come to some level of acceptance with them. And then your mind wraps its head around, you know, the actual event. And it's less about the event and it's more about breaking through the unknown. You know, I think we fear the unknown more than we fear. Well, we crave certainty, of course. Yes. And so sometimes even sometimes even knowing that knowing that we will fail is a better option than not knowing what the the outcome will be simply in our mind, our psychological response saying, well, if I go on this diet again, that I've done a hundred times before, and I, you know, I, I lose 10 pounds. Well, that would be great. Even if I end up gaining it all back, which has happened every single time, at least I know that, you know, I know the outcome versus going down this path. I just don't know what will happen. It's scary yeah. to be in that position. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Great point. So, so you get introduced to this whole new community. You, it opens your eyes to the possibilities of a new life, to how you can start to to transition your life in a way that's going to serve you long-term, serve your family, obviously uh, improve your health, 
improve your family dynamic. Um, and, and so you start the side hustle, right? So you start health coaching. What does that look like? I asked 10 friends if I, all 10, I knew I'd either helped, you know, free advice. They'd ask me for some advice. They saw people, people start to take notice of your transformation, right? And they go from, at least at, especially at work, they go from busting your balls. Who do you think you are changing? Totally. Right. Who do you think you are doing totally. this thing different than you've always done to secretly sort of going, Hey man, I noticed that you've been eating that thing for lunch and doing those things with the stretches and the, and the movement thing. And my back is a disaster. And I, you know, I'm 50 pounds overweight. Like does any of that stuff work, you know, to outright asking for your help. And so I definitely had people that I knew would be responsive to um, my pitch, right? So I reached out to 10 friends, all friends, either, you know, through work or, or personal relationships or whatever, uh, some of which I'd already helped. And I said, I got a crazy freaking idea. Um, this guy that I hired is making me start a side hustle. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a bunch of people if they want some help with coaching for three months. Um, I don't even know what it looks like yet, but I know, I know what I'm doing. I just got to figure it out. Would you hire me? And I priced it at a very, very low uh, price, almost, you know, sort of charity. Mm -hmm. And I, I got, I expected 10 to laugh at me. Seven said yes. Seven said yes. Mm -hmm. And the other three, you know, really just wasn't the right timing or whatever. Sure. And so that was the sign that like, okay, people value, you know, what I have to say, my opinion, how I do things, or they just felt sorry for me. Either way, I'm going to run with this. And, and that was the start. That was the start. I, didn't have a program. I didn't know what I was going to do per se. I knew I knew how to live my life and I knew I knew how to help people improve their lives, but I figured it out entirely on the fly. Um, and now you had a tremendous amount of responsibility behind it because you had clients yes. that yes, were absolutely. invested in your coaching. Absolutely. And so I did that for over a year before I built up the uh, confidence that I was uh, able to make it my real job. It wasn't even close to replacing the income that I was making. <laughs> no, I'm not even close. <laughs> uh, not even close. But but I it, another a few other series of events. One was we were move. You know, we decided as a family, completely separate decisions, but we decided as a family to move from the New York, New, Jer New Jersey, New York area to California. And that made what I was doing for a living harder. It was not impossible. I could have kept the job that I had in a different, slightly different capacity. I could have gotten hired by somebody out here. Uh, I just decided that it was a good time, you know, to make a clean uh, separation and see what would happen. Because ultimately the worst case was that I could come back to this job. Sure. I could come, I could move back to New Jersey. I could, I could come back to the life that I knew it. Um, the worst thing that could happen is I could fall on my face and live with the consequences and rebuild from there. So you guys moved to Cali, you started your business. Did you immediately quit your Wall Street job? I left, uh, we had decided to move like the end of December, 2018. I quit April 27th, 2019. I had known that I was going to quit for a month or two before How'd that, that. feel? It felt amazing. It felt really amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting because being in this space, you obviously work 
you know, we have the opportunity and privilege to, to talk to so many people in so many different capacities. And one of the recurring themes that we often see is the impact that people's daily lives and, and work plays in their, in their health and really just not even realizing, I think for a lot of people that just the daily quote unquote grind that they're under the, the stress associated with the job that they hate, that they tolerate, just the, the, the ways in which it ne negatively impacts their life, whether you know, uh, beknownst to them or not. And so I can imagine that what a relief that must have felt like just to kind of, you know, walk away and start a completely new journey. Yeah, it, it was it was unbelievably freeing. I mean, uh, the last month I was completely checked out. Sure, um, just trying to get to the finish line. Um, you know, in hindsight, I wish I stayed longer, and I wish I augmented my life uh, a little bit more in terms of like I I didn't change a, I didn't change spending behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't change I didn't change any behaviors. You know, okay. in, in hindsight, in hindsight. I wish that I had done exactly what I just described about, you know, sort of coming at it from all angles. I wish I kept my side hustle. I wish I focused on it more than I did grow the hell out of it. I wish I changed the way, you know, I spent money. Um, and that would have been a much smoother, more smooth transition <laughs> for me, you know, sure. a couple of years. Like what, especially because once I realized that there was something else out there for me, it changed my perspective on what I was doing every day. What I mean by that is a lot of people, you know, I've now found, I think I'm the, the, the exception of somebody finding something that they're very passionate about and making it a business. I'm not sure that everybody is supposed to do that because maybe your passion isn't something that can develop a six-figure income. And maybe you need a six-figure income because you got kids and you live in a sure. major, major metropolitan area. Like not everybody can move to like Idaho, you know, no disrespect to Idaho, but like, you know, so my point is, is that a lot of times when you realize that what you're doing gives you the freedom maybe to do other things, and then you reconstruct your life a little bit to not have you handcuffed in certain ways that they might've been before, life can get a lot more freeing. And, mm -hmm. and I looked at, you know, my job as an opportunity for me to, to be able to do some amazing things, you know? pay for, you know, like vacations or a country club, or it, it, right. it changed my perspective a bit. Now I just didn't go the extra few steps and have patience. Uh, sure. I wanted out. I wanted out pretty badly. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and it might've been the sort of impetus that you needed to get your back against the wall a little bit to, to drive you to take the steps necessary to kind of get you back into a position of comfort. You're right. It might've been, it doesn't matter either way. It just it doesn't matter. You, 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 the credit, the, the, the key, the key phrase you said is hindsight is 2020. And so we always look back and go, I should have done that different. I could have done that different. The answer is I absolutely could have done it differently. I could have transitioned a lot more smoothly, uh, created a lot less stress in my life, but sure. we are where we yeah. are. Um, and I'm pretty thankful for it. So, so you're, so you're in Cali, you're running a health coaching business you've made a major life change. You're, you're helping, helping other people make life changes. Tell me how, given, you know, some of the circumstances that forced you into this position years earlier, how did, um, 
you know, your relationships start to change. Obviously you said that, you know, things with your wife started to get better. Tell me a little bit about your kids and, and sort of what that process looked like. Yeah. The, the, the first, like my, my son, my son, my son's older. My son will be 12 in a couple months. Um, he's an athletic kid. He's a mini me. He's always looked up to me. We've, we've always had a good relationship. Um, I, I think that'll always be the case. My, my daughter is the one that is really, and, it, and it's it's really becoming clear to me now over the last six months or so, we are developing an unbelievable relationship. Um, my wife and I uh, often say, this is my, this is our son's first time. I'm not, I don't believe a lot of this stuff, but I see it. Um, it's his first time here on earth. This is his first trip. Everything was new to him. Everything was like, oh, you know, eyes wide open. Mila, our six-year-old, soon to be seven, she she came out of the womb like skeptical. Um, it takes a lot to impress her. She doesn't give a damn about your feelings. She is the most confident, independent. You know, she's still a seven year old, six, six or seven-year-old. She still needs a lot of help, but um, she believes she's 26 and she 100% has been here before. And um, I told myself, I concocted all these things. Mila's been here before. She knows what a POS I was earlier in my life. You know, the way I lived my life, the lack of respect I had for maybe my wife at certain points, you know, um, the things that I did, my behavior, she knows, she knows. And the first three or four years of her life, um, you know, after she, when she could, so, so maybe like from age three to five or so, she was really tough on me. She was really tough on me, like to the point where it was like I was trying to get her to do something and she would flat out say, like, I wish you weren't part of our family. I wish it was mommy, wow. Hudson, Coco, the dog, <laughs> Deanna, <laughs> the wonderful woman that worked for us who she, who basically was another mother to her. Yeah. And that's it. And that was she, there. So, so, so she wanted Deanna and the dog yeah. over, over me. And she'd flat out tell me, that she wished she wished that I wasn't part of the family. And it, it, it was so crushing to me to hear that. It was so, she, she just knew how to push my buttons. Um, and I told myself that this was my penance. Like this is, she's been here before. She freaking knows. She knows. She knows that I've been a piece of shit. And to see our relationship evolve now because of the amount of time I'm able to spend with her and the quality of that interaction. It's not just quantity for us anymore. It's quality um, that I'm able to give to her. We are like two peas in a pod sometimes. Now she definitely wants mom late in the night. She wants mom to read with her. She wants mommy to put her to bed. But like, I'm kind of the cool, funny, silly dad that, you know, does fun stuff with her. Uh, and so to see that evolution and it's like, it's, it, it's probably not a coincidence that it coincides with me making a very conscious choice to become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a more committed person to living my life through a certain set of principles. And really, you know, I'm not going to say never, but like very rarely wavering from them. Mm -hmm. um, and so like that to me, I have trouble believing this as a Jersey guy, alpha male, competitive guy, you know, all those, all those stereotypical belief systems that I probably still have. Um, I have a hard time accepting that that's the case, you know, but like, what else, 
what else? That's the evidence. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good at understanding and reading evidence. Um, that's the data that's in front of me. And so that's what I believe. And so, yeah, I've seen it. I, I, I see it firsthand through her uh, on a daily basis. What are some of the, and that's incredible, by the way, and uh, it must feel great to know that you've put yourself in a position to truly be present, you know, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally for them and lead by example. And so with that said is, what are some of the behaviors that you implement with your family that are helping your kids learn how to be healthy, live healthy lives, be physically active? Like what are kind of like some of the, you know, tangible, like non-negotiables that you guys implement as a family? Yeah. I love that. So, you know, we don't have any like written non-negotiables, but I'm pretty sure that for the rest of my children's lives, they will wake up and they will fill up a cup of water for the rest of their life. They'll be 60 years old and they'll go, Ooh, dad, dad would want me to have a cup of water when I wake up. Um, I'm pretty sure they will walk or know that they need to move their bodies in some way. Um, I believe that the best way to get our kids to do what we want them to do is to live the life that you want them to live, to exhibit, to do the things that you want them to do. Right. And so I'm, I mentioned before about showing up, you know, when I was the captain of the team, when I was, you know, the main guy, one of the main guys, leaders on the desk, I didn't do it verbally very often. Now I knew when I had to get into somebody's face or I knew when I had to pump somebody up or say something motivational and I still do. But even with my clients, I show up. You will not show up more than me. You just won't. It, at best, it'll be even. That's it. It'll, it'll be even. And so I'm good at just living my life and making sure that they see it, you know? And so uh, even if I've already done um, my workout for the day, when they're sitting around watching TV or on their devices or whatever, I might do a set of 10 push-ups. I might do some squats. Um, when I want my son to work on something, my son, again, is a little mini me. He's a lefty. He plays a big baseball town. We can all do the, do that math. There's, there's a lot of upside there potentially. He still needs to figure out his body, you know? And so, you know, I, here's my frustration. I am personal friends with guys who train professional athletes. I'm sure you, you, you know them too. You are one of them, right? Like the guy who cha trains JJ Reddick and Jared Goff has personally put my son Hudson through a workout, yet he still like doesn't do it. He doesn't fucking do it, you know? And so I can, I can, I can t ask him every day, why aren't you doing this? You should be doing this, you know? Yeah. Or I can go do it myself. I can say, hey, do you want to spend 15 minutes and do that workout that John, you know, um, or Dave, you know, kind of showed us that, that JJ and Jared do on their own, you know? Um, and so the short answer to your question is I try to exhibit the habits. I don't try. I do. I exhibit the habits that I want them to cultivate. And I think there's a perspective or an aspect of this that like, you have to let them figure it out on their own. In the last 48 hours, um, my daughter who is not, you know, my son has always been he's older. So it's a little bit, you know, he's had more time. Um, he's always been more willing to try things, green juice, you know, different foods, things like that. Um, Mila doesn't really want to be told what to do. 
in the last 48 hours, she's asked me to buy her a Fitbit because I bought one for my wife and I, because my wife doesn't walk enough. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's a, a business that's, you know, bigger than mine. And it's, it's mm-hmm. takes up a lot of her time. Um, so I bought her a Fitbit to, to see how much she's moving. And so I have one too. And so my daughter asked for one because she wants to be competitive and walk with us. She asked me to wake her up early uh, to go on a walk before camp. It used to be a struggle to get her to get on her bike while we walk the dog in the morning. Uh, yesterday, she asked me if we had any broccoli. She's never eaten broccoli wow. before. <laughs> I said, we don't have any cooked broccoli. Usually I do. Um, we only have raw broccoli. She said, I'll try that. Okay. She had a few pieces of broccoli. Now I gave her like some Caesar dressing to dip it in. Sure. Right. Whatever. Just what? Just please God eat the broccoli. I'm going to get emotional here. Um, what else did she do? She asked me if we could go to the gym because she wanted to exercise. Um, and one other thing, my point is, is that they, they have their aha moments, right? I had mine when my wife presented me with this ultimatum, basically. We all, we all come to a, a conclusion that what we're doing has gotten to us to a certain place and we have a decision. Do we want to do something different or do we want to keep doing what we're doing? And that happens in various stages throughout our lives. And so, you know, to use the, the basketball analogy, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging around the proverbial hoop and I'm feeding them, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the assists as much as possible. And, and especially like for my son, I mean, my son has a very fit 43 year old father. There's, there's no fitter dad around, you know, in, in our area that he has to compare to. He has access to professional trainers. He is somebody who understands, you know, health and nutrition. Like, I'm just waiting for this kid to go, dad, let's go. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I have the physical abilities to, to do something really cool athletically, basketball, baseball, whatever. He's a tremendous swimmer. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump on this, you know, this ride with him. But like, it's his ride. It's not mine. And right. so I got ha- to hang out. I got to patiently wait. I got to hang around That's the hoop. And I got to keep my fingers crossed. And I got to bite my tongue. And I got to fr- bang my head against the wall and wor- wonder why he doesn't figure freaking figure it out or, already. Uh, but I got to wait because it's his journey and not mine. Well, look, I mean, who has it figured out? I mean, especially a kid. Like, you know, you didn't have it figured out at, at 35 years old. You know, seven-year-old kid. I'm 43. Kid. I'm 43. I still have Yeah, but I'm saying like, you know, seven years ago, not even right, that you're right. figuring oh, it out right now. And, and I think the best that we can do is, like you said, just lead by example, right? Just, you know, um, show them and then give them opportunities, right? Yeah. Just keep laying, laying it up for them. Yeah. And I think um, the important thing is, the important thing is, is one more thought I had, like, if you're not doing it as a parent, somebody else is, somebody is teaching your kids something. Yeah. Habit, like YouTube right? or TikTok or hundred percent, hundred percent. So my, my, you know, I, this is something I've really become passionate about and started to talk about more like you better do it. It's your responsibility as a parent to do it. But even if like you feel like, ah, I don't really want to live my life this way. That's fine. They're learning that they're learning that from you and they're going to learn other things from other people. So I'd rather them learn from me. What better stimulus is there? I mean, especially if you say that's what you want for your children, even if you don't want it for yourself, if you say that's what you want for your children, then you better walk the talk. You mentioned the Fitbit um, and I'd be interested to know kind of like with your coaching practice, what tools do you use to help track progress, right? You're a numbers guy, your data yeah. guy. I'm sure you guys have KPIs. Like, I don't know how you approach your business with your clients, but 
How do you effectively track progress and help clients improve? A number of ways, uh, but the but fundamentally, they all come down to one concept: um, auditing. Okay, um, because of my background, a massive fan of audits. Right, yep. companies have yearly audits. They have they they public companies report numbers quarterly. Companies that declare bankruptcy have to report monthly to their creditors. Right, like sales teams have weekly calls. I used to be a part of a daily morning meeting, morning research meeting, where all the analysts would come in and talk about ideas and the traders would talk about the market and we would all talk about everything together for about 45 minutes. And then boom, we all go out and we try to go execute and make money. Businesses do this stuff, right? Individuals I've found, myself included, we don't audit. We go about our day, uh, we go about our week, we go about our month, we go about our year and like time flies, right? The days feel long. Sometimes the weeks feel long, but man, are the months and the year short, right? It is almost August of 2021, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Crazy. And so I've found that if we don't stop and take stock of what's going on in our life uh, on a weekly basis, shoot, even on a daily basis, I find that we get caught up. It's almost like I kind of, um, I love golf. The golf swing is a, is a very complicated <laughs> thing to master. And you can find yourself over the course of a few months during a season doing like one little thing different for day by day, week by week. And all of a sudden, come October, towards the end of the season for those you know, the people, not, not me, not you anymore, but you know, the, the, what I used to be, Northeast, end of the season, like you're a complete mess and you don't know what's happened. And it's not necessarily something changed over the course of a week. Something changed in a very small um, increment over the course of months and months and months. Uh, and so auditing for me is a big part of the process. And so we, we get together weekly, get together sometimes multiple times a week um, via a number of different methods of communication. And we figure out what's going on in your life and then constantly tie it back to what it is that you want, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if what it is that you want is, you know, a thriving marriage um, and you're not dating your wife enough, sometimes the, the, the action step for that week might be improving the connection. And here are the different things we could do to improve the connection. Maybe you're not getting enough one-on-one -on -one time with the kids. So we schedule dates, um, obviously nutrition and fitness and mo movement and hydration and sleep, all those basic foundational things are parts of what we're doing on a, on a daily and weekly basis. Um, but auditing is a big um, foundational uh, component of what we do. And then I mentioned sort of the golf swing analogy a little bit over time, over time, over time. Compound interest is another foundational component of my philosophy. And it's really, we need to pay more attention to the little things, right? I was always there for the big things in my kids and my wife's life. That's not what got me in trouble. It was the little things. Saying that I was going to be home at 1 p.m. after a round of golf and showing up at 1.45, two times a week for seven straight years, you know? Mm. You know, not being present, you know, during a conversation, not really listening to my wife. All these little things here and there built up over time. I accrued that debt uh, over the course of time and all debts come due at some point. You know, mine came due in a series of events over the course of several months. Other than my mom getting sick, you know, 
the others, others were not immediate events. They weren't like, you know, uh, instant, instant things that happened. Now that these things happen for people, you know, uh, they get put into crisis, you know, uh, through accidents or, or some, you know, unfortunate events. But I would argue most of us, you know, if we really open up our eyes, we see our issues coming a mile away and they take years to develop. And so, you know, compound interest and auditing are two foundational components to my um, program that all my clients, um, you know, are forced to deal with. <laughs> well, I like it because just as you you have to pay back to that debt, sometimes you're also, as you said, with compounded interest, small behaviors are going to compound to lead to, you know, you know, really big payouts down the road. hundred percent. The, the little things that we do, uh, as important as the big workout is, as important as, you know, maybe um, the diet that we go on or whatever are, it's the little things that we do. Can you take a call while walking? You know, can you get an extra glass of water in? Can you get to bed a half hour earlier? Can you wake up a half hour earlier? Doing any of those things in isolation don't move the needle in your life. But when you do a lot of those things for a long period of time, you sort of, again, quote unquote, wake up to a massively improved life. Well, so let's say, I mean, and here's sort of one of the biggest things that we encounter with, with clients and with friends, um, at our age, because we're both over 40 here, and, and, and I'm sure you do as well as I do. I have friends that, you know, are in positions now where they're just, they're miserable, whether they admit it or not, look in the mirror, and they're like, how did I get here, right? I have huge mortgage and, and tons of debt and, and, and kids that I don't really know in a relationship that's extremely starved, and like, where do I even start? I know that I need to make change. Of course, I don't need to necessarily change my career. And I don't know if that would happen or not, but I know I need to make change. I am just overwhelmed with the thought of what I could and should and what would need to be done and the extremes that I need to take to get where I need to go. Like, you know, where do I start? Yeah. What would you say to That's someone? That's tough. It's a tough place to be in because a lot of guys who come to me are, you know, marriages are maybe on the brink of divorce and they got to lose 50 pounds and they have serious substance issues that, you know, they want to curtail. These are, these are, these are multi-year, maybe even multi-decade habits uh, that need to be reversed. And so the first part of the process is understanding that it's going to take, take time. It took you 20 years to get here. It's not going to be gone in two months. Um, it's still very overwhelming because, you know, it's like the concept of looking at the horizon. The horizon is always going to be out into the distance way, way far away. You can never actually get to it because it's just going to mm-hmm. keep feeling about the same you know, length. It's just distancing yourself from the end result. So the 50 pounds, the marriage that's thriving, trying to then establish what is the identity of somebody who has those things? What is somebody who you know, looks incredibly fit and is incredibly fit and healthy. What does somebody who has a thriving marriage do on a daily basis? It doesn't mean that you're supposed to go do those things all at once, but can you start to do some of those things on a regular basis? Yeah. And then really just, again, through the audit process and compound interest, just focus on those actions. The, you know, the, the added, the old adage, trust the process, you know, can you get a little bit better today than you were yesterday? Can you get a little bit better this week than you were the week before? You know, stop thinking about the one or two maybe workouts that you did miss over the course of seven days or the one or two meals that you quote unquote screwed up on and start, you know, thinking about all the great things that you did. Like 
you didn't get to the gym once this week when you said you were, but you went two other times. Mm-hmm. And for the last 15 years, you didn't go any, you know, you doubled your performance. You doubled it. And so focus on those things. And then, you know, I heard this, um, somebody else gave me this kind of phrase, like something about like climbing the mountain. Don't be so obsessed with like getting to the summit to, to not stop and take time and like look back and see how far you've come. And again, that's part of the audit process. See where you're at, see what sort of progress you've made, you know, over the course of weeks or months. And sometimes it's not going to be that exciting, the progress, but are you a little bit better? You know, are you, are you improving a little bit more? I was taught with, you know, with a lot of uh, substance abuse type addictions, people think about, you know, uh, intensity, duration, and frequency. And so like, as long as those things are going in the right direction, you know, are you getting high, uh, as intensely Is it lasting as long? Do you have bigger gaps in between, you know? Cause when I was like, when I would, Try to try to stop gambling, try to stop doing drugs a lot, stop, try to stop drinking so much. I would really beat myself up when I'd have these setbacks because I cared more. You know, mm-hmm. I moved into the conscious incompetence and conscious competence phase of like learning. Whereas I was in this unconscious phase where I didn't know, I didn't know I was an idiot. I didn't know what I didn't know. And sometimes it's a safer place to be. Cause when we highlight that we're making mistakes and we realize that we're doing something wrong, when we care more. And then we try to go change our behavior. It doesn't automatically change. I still have far more evidence to believe, sure. you know, to, to show that I'm a, I'm a moron than I am this, you know, committed husband, father, guy changing lives, right? doesn't mean that I'm not going to revert to that every once in a while. So stepping back and thinking about, all right, yeah, I screwed up today, but, but, you know, shoot, I was on, I had a great eight day run. And the only way to get back to that great eight day run is to have a one day run, you know? And the only way you can have a one day run is to have a one meal run or one workout run, right? You know, we're one meal, we're one workout, we're one anything away from being back on track. And so that's kind of the motto that I, I sort of try to instill in my own life. Uh, and then into the people that I work or, or come in contact with you, you're going to have a conversation with me. I'm going to talk to you about this. So even if we're not, you know, even if you don't work with me, I'm going to try to tell you. Tell Beautiful. You. I think it's very well said and exactly the way that we run things. And I think it's the only way you know, to help people understand that it's, it's really going to be a, a significant process and to embrace the journey. Anything outside of that, if you're not cognizant of the fact that you've got to slowly undo these ha- habits and behaviors that you formed over years and years, then you're probably in the wrong place. And you're probably not going to get the results that you really want. Brian, dude, what a pleasure, man. I want to respect your time and our listeners' time, of course. And so uh, where can people find out more about you? Yeah. First of all, this has been awesome. Uh, you were on my podcast uh, recently. It's coming out soon. Uh, be out Monday, actually. I know this is right. live on Facebook, so I don't know when the, when your podcast drops, but uh, you know, people will be able to, to head over to the Success Lift podcast. Uh, that's my show. It's a year old. Right. Uh, talking to guys like you, guys like me, sharing experiences. Uh, so that's one place I would direct people. Um, you know, I'm active on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, my my handles are my my name Brian Panuzo P A N N U Z Z O. Uh, and that's you, those, those are the best places. I have an email list where I put a, a lot of effort into content. You can go to the successlift.com uh, to get on that. Uh, and those are the best places to, to pay attention to what I'm doing. Amazing, man. Thank you so much for the conversation. So uh, for all of our listeners, obviously, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. I will have all of Brian's contact info in the show notes as per usual. And Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions for Brian, or I'm happy to put you directly in contact with him. Uh, Dude, 
thanks again. Really a blast connecting. And I appreciate you just sharing so much knowledge and wisdom with all of our listeners. Anytime. I appreciate it. Anybody who wants to reach out to ask a question or whatever, I, I, I love that stuff. So please, please feel free. Take care, brother. Have a great rest of your day. Love you too. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, Leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.